You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. All right. So, how many of you guys were at church on Sunday? A few of you guys? Sweet. So, just like Sunday, today is going to get intense quick. Um, but in a whole different way. And so I just want you guys to get ready. And so I'm going to pray in one more time. Lord, uh, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be here today, that uh, my voice would be your voice and not my own. Lord, that you would speak to me and speak to our hearts and uh, help us to see what you want us to see, nothing else. Um, Lord, we just pray your presence in here. Amen. <clears throat> so by a show of hands, how many of you guys believe in spiritual warfare? I would, was hoping to see everybody's hands up, but because I didn't, um, this sermon's gonna be perfect for that. So, the real battle in Chi Alpha has absolutely nothing to do with me coming up with a sermon every single week, coming up with this eloquent message that's well thought out and well covered and memorized and coming up with this amazing sermon in, in order to prove to you guys that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he really did live and die for us and that we are able to inherit the kingdom of God um, because of what Jesus did. Like, the real battle within service tonight has absolutely nothing to do with the my ability of putting smart-sounding words on a piece of paper in order to convince you under my own power of what Jesus is trying to say to you. Really, the real battle comes into play with the Holy Spirit and the things that are going on behind the scenes in the unseen world. And it really doesn't matter how amazing of a preacher I am or how amazing of a sermon I come up with. Like I said, the real battle is bigger than that. There's so much more going on. And so I'm going to ask you guys to turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 8. 2 Kings 6, 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And then report, or the report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent his horses and chariots and strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So what we see going on here is the enemy king, the king of Aram, is trying to take over Israel. He's trying to lay siege on the country of Israel. And like they're getting beat so badly in this attempt to take over that the king begins to suspect a, a spy. Like it's not because they had lack of forces. It's not because they didn't have enough troops. It's because they feel like it's just like every time they go to do something, the enemy knows exactly what they're doing. And the enemy, like I said, is Israel and Israel isn't our enemy, but he is the enemy of King Aram. And so 
I think it's actually ironic because clearly we can tell because we know the behind the scenes as to what's going on with King Aram, that in fact there was actually a spy in Israel on King Aram's behalf. And so otherwise the camp wouldn't know where Elisha was. They wouldn't know the fact that he was telling the king everything. He, they wouldn't know that he was the one thwarting all of their strategies. Like, it's clear that King Aram has a spy. And yet, they're suspecting of Israel of having a spy. And that's how soundly they're getting beat. And the Aram's men is basically just saying, like, uh, no, sorry, King, there's absolutely no spies. However, there is this uh, Jason Bourne kind of guy. And he's... <laughs> He's giving advice to the king, and it's like the king knows exactly what you're saying. Not like the king. The king knows exactly what you're saying, even in your own bedroom. Let's keep going. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, and as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them into Samaria. What we're seeing here is Elisha could see things that those of us like if just are just like the servant and we couldn't see. Elisha could see things beyond what is visible by our human eyes. It's very clear this is going on, and it's very clear that there's a war going on, that there's something bigger than just us going on behind the scenes. And the men that come to capture Elisha come with an army for him, an entire army. And Elisha just absolutely wasn't scared. He wasn't scared because he knew that he had an army that wasn't even able to be seen. And he asked that his servant could see this world. And then he asked that God would blind the enemy. I always have this picture of Chi Alpha, and I always picture it as I'm going to come up here, and everything is going to absolutely go perfectly. The sermon is going to be awesome. I'm not even going to have to look at my notes. I'm just going to magically have everything memorized. Um, there's absolutely not going to be any issues. There's not going to be any issues with sound equipment. There's not going to be any issues with anybody coming. Everybody's going to worship loudly, proclaiming God, lifting their hands, um, everybody's going to be moved to tears. It's just going to be this amazing atmosphere right off the bat and everything's going to go perfectly fine. And then <clears throat> I'm going to come up here and I'm going to deliver a sermon and it's just going to be this perfect sermon. And there's going to be people every single week coming up to the front, giving their lives to Christ, rededicating their lives and every single week that we would grow in number. Like that's the picture that I have as our Chi Alpha revol or that revolves around our Chi Alpha. Like almost as if we are an Acts church. Like that's the vision I have for Chi Alpha. And then every single week comes along and there's always something that goes wrong. Like something ends up happening. Somebody can't come to help. Um, somebody procrastinated too long, was late. Um, 
we didn't spend enough time in prayer, electronic issues come up, whatever it is, I'm not specifically saying anything in specific, but every single week it seems like something comes up. And today I'm sitting there going over my sermon, looking at what I'm going to be talking about, and I just had enough. I got fed up. I just got sick and tired of the enemy attacking us. Like, I had enough. My spirit was done, and I was just fed up with the enemy's attacks. And I just, I had enough. And the enemy came and attacked and tried to attack my wife and I, and I just had enough. I got fed up. And and this isn't very pastorly-like, but I just got ticked off. I got angry. I got angry at the enemy. And I got so mad that I prayed a very weird prayer. Very not typical for me, but I was seeking the Holy Spirit and I was just asking the Holy Spirit to even just guide my prayers. And I prayed this, this very weird prayer, prayer and I prayed and I asked specifically that an army of angels would come down to our aid and would fight back the forces of the enemy on this campus and in our city and in this room and in this building. And then I get in some scripture and I just happen to read what I just read. And I got this picture from the Holy Spirit as to what's been going on on this campus. And for far too long, the enemy has had a stronghold and has been encamped on this campus. The enemy has pretty much been able to do whatever he wants on this campus for far too long. The enemy's had his camp set up. He's built his trenches. He's got reinforced steel buildings. He's dug in and he's basically just had his way with his campus. He could go where he pleased, do what he wanted. And I just felt like Holy Spirit was saying, enough is enough. Like, it's done. This is stupid that the enemy is allowed to have this much of a stronghold. Like, I feel like as Christians, we've been so caught up fighting the enemy's fight. We're fighting the Satan's fight. We're not even fighting our own terms. We're fighting on Satan's terms, let alone God's terms. And I just got fed up and I felt like I'm done fighting on the enemy's terms. I'm fed up. I'm sick and tired of the enemy having his way on this campus and us just being complacent with it. It's disgusting that we as Christians are so okay with how rampant the enemy has controlled this campus. We have to stand up and we have to fight back and we have to do it on God's terms. Not on our terms, not on the enemy's terms, on our terms. Because there is a war going on behind the scenes. And if you can't see that from that piece of scripture, I've got a hundred other pieces of scripture that are very clear that God wants us to know that there is a war going on behind the scenes that we can't visibly see. So let's turn in Scripture to John 20, starting in verse 11. John 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. For too long, we have been looking for Jesus in the wrong places. We're standing in front of a tomb that he has vacated, and he's saying, I'm no longer in this dead religion. We've been relying on this religion that is absolutely dead, going to church religiously, going to Chi Alpha religiously, maybe even going to small group religiously. And Jesus is saying that I'm not still stuck in that religion. First Thessalonians 5 says, to rejoice always and pray continually. I feel like as Chi Alpha, it's time for us to start rejoicing. And getting excited, getting amped up, getting pumped up for what God is doing. It's time that we start choosing to see the joy in the Lord in our lives. We stop getting so wrapped up in being busy with school, being busy with this, being busy with that. Like it's time that we start seeing the world the way that Jesus wants to see the world. And the way we see the world the way that Jesus wants us to see the world is full of joy, full of passion, full of love. And yet we're stuck in this religion day in and day out. We get so caught up on the negative. Watch the news for five seconds and tell me that we as humans don't get caught on the negative. We get so focused on the negative that we forget even just the basic principles of what Jesus has already done for us. Like we get so caught up on the negative that we forget that the tomb is empty. Like the tomb is empty. That should excite us as Christians. If nothing else in our life is going right, the tomb is still empty. The Holy Spirit is still at work. Things are beginning to happen within here. The ball's beginning to move and the enemy is coming against us and he's trying as desperately as he possibly can to try to steal away our joy, try to steal away our passion, trying to steal away our love. And it's time that we stand firm. It's time that we fight back because everything in the world is telling us that we need to give in, that we're defeated, that we're instead as Christians going to simply choose to rejoice. Because the enemy can't win a war that he's already lost. That's what it really comes down to. The enemy cannot win a war that he has already lost. The only thing he can do is distract us. And he is so good at distracting us. Especially when we're in college. He distracts us with homework. He distracts us with school. He distracts us with drama. He distracts us with people that... We, people we love, and the enemy comes in and tries to draw a wedge between us and make us fight over petty, stupid things. Like, the enemy is amazing at distracting us from the big picture. 
And today's sermon isn't eloquent. Today's sermon isn't the most uh, well-worded thing I've ever came up with, but I feel like the point of it is still absolutely perfect. And I feel like the, the what the Holy Spirit is trying to say in here, it doesn't need to be explained with a 45-minute sermon that is tickling your guys' ears. Like, if you guys know me, I don't care about tickling ears. I really don't care. I just want you guys to hear my heart and my love for you guys. And at the same time, in all reality, I want to point to God in the process. Like, ultimately. And I know some of you guys are standing in here because otherwise God wouldn't have given me this sermon. Some of you guys are standing in here and you're, you've been thinking or you're thinking right now that you're done fighting, that it's too hard, that there has to be a better way. Like, it's just frustrating. You see the excitement going on around you and sometimes it's hard to buy into that excitement. You feel alone. You feel isolated. And I'm telling you that there is, in fact, one way to get around that. And it simply comes down to a heart and a soul 100% sold out for Jesus Christ. And that in that we can rejoice. Romans 8 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. I'm going to repeat that. There is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the spirits who gives us, or who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sin to be a sin offering. There's no condemnation in this room. None. There's no condemnation in this room. You are free in here. You're free from the burdens of your life. You're free from the burdens of your sin. You're free from the burdens of schoolwork. You're free from the burdens of, of, of enemies. You're free from any kind of burden in this room. Because we are here to focus on Jesus Christ. And we are redeemed through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do something great because that's the only way the Holy Spirit moves. Like the Holy Spirit can't help but do great things. So when great things aren't happening, it's because we're hindering what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Now sometimes that greatness is painful. Sometimes God's wanting to walk you through something that hurts. And it's our job to be responsive to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Sometimes things are a little more fun. Like, I don't know, last, this last Sunday service was a blast at, at C3. It was fun. There was a lot that God was doing, and it was, it was joyful, and it was passionate. And God's love just absolutely radiated from that room. And the whole reason, and I really do feel like the Holy Spirit told me that the whole reason that that's even able to happen is because of what the Holy Spirit is doing here in Chi Alpha is flowing into C3. That your guys' passion as college students is flowing into C3. And so now more than ever, the enemy is going to come against us. He's going to try fighting us. 
He's going to try telling you guys that you guys are alone. He's going to try telling you guys that you're too busy. He's going to try telling you guys that you can't do it. He's going to try telling you guys that, that the world is just too much and you can't do it. He's trying to separate you not only from Jesus, but he's trying to separate you from your brothers and sisters. These guys are your brothers and sisters. And so what do we do? How do we fight back against that? It comes down to choose to rejoice. Your life sucks. Rejoice anyway. We have Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. I know for some people that, that feels like an, an empty promise or a hollow phrase. But really what it comes down to is sometimes when it's so hard to fit into the world, we have to take a step back and recognize that we weren't designed for this world. It's going to be painful. We're going to stand out. We were designed and we were meant for something so much greater, something so much more. And we have to walk in that passion for Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord and pray. And so then the next step, if we're rejoicing, is prayer. We've got to be serious about praying. We have to be serious about putting on the armor of God. And I thought about going into the scripture about the armor of God tonight, but I feel like it's, it's well known. And if you don't know it, I encourage you just to, to look it up. It's pretty easy to find. We have to be putting on the armor of God daily. First thing in the morning, when you wake up, put on the armor of God. Because if we can come to the truth and, and come to the knowledge that we know for a fact the enemy is attacking us, then how ignorant of us would it be to come here onto this campus and walk out into the battlefield and not put on our armor first? It just goes without saying. We have to do that. We need to do that. But really what comes down to is we do it joyfully. Not because of a burden, not because we have to, not because it's a set of duties we just have to accomplish. We put on the armor of God, we read Scripture, we pray daily. Tonight, I'm, I'm, there's, no, there's no fluff. There's no fun stories. There's no eloquence. There's no none of the, the useless jargon that, that can sometimes fill up a sermon when God's really just wanting to do something. And so tonight, I'm just asking everybody to close your eyes. Tonight, there's no tricks. There's no trying to convince you of something. It's just what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. There's just what the Holy Spirit is wanting to move you into. The change in your life that the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring. The growth in your life that the Holy Spirit is wanting to grow you into. God's will for your life. And so tonight I'm just asking Holy Spirit to move. Holy Spirit, have your way with us tonight. 
Holy Spirit, help us to be free of condemnation. Holy Spirit, just move us. Grow us. Shake us. One of the most dangerous prayers that we can ask is that you stretch us and you move us and you grow us. And tonight I'm praying that same prayer. I'm praying that exact prayer. Because Holy Spirit, I've realized that we can't do anything if we're complacent. We can't do anything under our own power. And I realize how important it is for us to do everything because of what you've already done out of a love for you and a love for our neighbors. So Lord, we just ask you to stretch us tonight. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. Tonight we're not going to be we're not going to be elaborate. I'm not going to try to trick you. Just want you to really seek your heart. Feel out what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Listen to what God is saying. And tonight if if you don't know Jesus, if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord and Savior, and you're just sick and tired of being condemned, and you're sick and tired of fighting against the world, and you're just simply tired of the way things are going in your life, and tonight you would like to give your life over to Christ, I'm just going to ask you to do something for me. I know you know I'm talking to you because you can feel it. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Christ tonight, just raise your hand. I see your hands. You can put your hand down. I'm going to give one more chance. I'm going to ask one more time. If you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, you recognize that when you're in control of your own life, you just get overwhelmed. If tonight you would like to give your life over to Jesus, I'm going to ask you right now, just raise your hand. I see your hand. Now tonight, if, if you've walked with Jesus in the past, you've known Jesus intimately in the past, but you've just had a season where you walked away. You haven't been living your life right. And you know it. And tonight you're saying, I want to realign myself with Jesus. I want to give my life back over to Him. I tried too long. I took control of my life back and I want to give it back to Jesus. Tonight, you know who I'm talking to. If that's you and tonight you want to give your life back over to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. You can put your hands down. So tonight we're going to pray a prayer together. And because Jesus says that we are one body, we're going to pray it together. I'm going to ask you guys to repeat after me. And I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me loudly so that I can hear you. And I want to say that if you felt like you should have raised your hand, 
but maybe you didn't because you didn't want people around you to see or maybe because you thought people were looking and you didn't raise your hand. I'm just going to tell you right now that if you raised your hand even within your heart, even if you physically didn't raise your hand, if you just raised your hand in your mind, it still counts. And so I'm going to ask everybody to say this prayer after me. Jesus, louder, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Tonight, I give my life to you. Thank you. Amen. You guys can open your eyes. Man, I just want, man, I'm excited. Uh, everybody give a round of applause for those guys that raised their hands because it's an exciting time. Um, scripture is very clear at how exciting of a time it is when people raise their hands and give their life to Christ. And as, as intense as tonight's service was, really all it really came down to is God's wanting to make it clear to those of you guys who are, are in Christ that there's a war going on behind the scenes and how important it is for us to pray because lives are being changed. And even tonight, there's lives that are being changed. Multiple people raised their hands. Multiple people have given their life to Christ tonight. And I'm not going to point out who it was or anything like that because that's up to you to decide to tell each other. But heaven is excited. The Holy Spirit is excited. Lives are being changed. How much more so can lives be changed once we as an entire body will give ourselves over to God and dedicate ourselves wholly to Him? There's more to be done. There's so much more to be done on this campus. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is just saying, the devil's time is done. The enemy's time is done. And so as a result, though, we need to make sure that we're being cautious. Because with every big attack and every stronghold broken, the enemy is going to attack times 10. He's not going to like that the Holy Spirit is evicting him. He's not going to go away just quietly. But here's the thing. Jesus is more powerful. He's already won the war. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty because maybe you haven't been reading your scripture like you should, or maybe you haven't been praying like you should. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to, to walk you into something bigger for your life. Because that's what it really comes down to, is I don't want to see you hurting. I don't want to see you in pain. I don't want to see the enemy um, overtake you. I don't see, want to see the world overtake you. I don't want you to get so distracted with schoolwork and homework and, and depression and whatever you're struggling with. I don't want you to get so distracted that we lose sight of what God's doing in our lives and we begin to focus on what the enemy is doing in our lives. Because the enemy doesn't deserve our attention. Jesus does. And so tonight is an exciting night. Lives have been changed. People have given their life to Christ. People have rededicated their life to Christ. And it is an amazing night. And I just want to encourage those of you guys that raised your hands, you know, it's, it's not an end process. Like standing here tonight and giving your life to Christ isn't the end. It's the beginning of an awesome journey with Jesus Christ. And it's going to get a heck of a lot more exciting from today on for you guys. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you guys raised your hands, um, come and talk to my wife or I after service. And uh, we would love to have a conversation with you before you leave. And uh, man, let's just enjoy a little bit of worship.
Um, we're not going to do anything crazy tonight. Like I said, I, there's no f- froofiness. There's no fluffiness. It's just a night where we get to focus on what Jesus is doing and what Jesus did. And people have given their life to Christ tonight, and we're going to be excited about that, and we're going to be excited for them. And so we're going to worship the way the Holy Spirit would ask us to worship. We're going to worship the way Jesus would ask us to worship. And so I'm going to ask you guys to put away everything in the world. Put away your homework. Put away your schoolwork. Put away your friend next to you and focus in and worship Jesus and truly be passionate about the words that you sing. You guys are on your own and focus because this is between you and God. And I'm going to ask you guys, and before we get going, I'm going to ask you guys to make this prayer your own. We're going to pray going in, and I'm going to ask you to make it your own, and you're going to ask within your own head, within your own mind, ask the Holy Spirit to make His presence known to you during worship. Simple as that. Just say that within your own head, and we're going to pray. Lord, we just ask that you would make the Holy Spirit... Holy Spirit, um, we just ask that you would make your presence known to us, that you would help us to feel your presence in this room, that we could solidify what happened tonight, and Lord, that we could worship you the way that you ask us to worship, that we could be excited about what you're doing, and we could be passionate about what you're doing, and Lord, that we wouldn't give our attention to the enemy, Lord, because the enemy doesn't deserve it. And even though we focused a little bit on what the enemy was doing um, here within the service, the intention wasn't to focus on the enemy. The intention was to, was to focus on the fact that you're evicting him. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, and we love you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Sorry. Um, as Tanner was uh, talking, I kind of found out it was like a link to the things he was saying. He talked about first uh, waging war, and then the next time he talked about praise. And he wanted us to praise even when we we're faced with like hardships or you know struggles and all. But then I I kind of understand from the word that praise is a weapon of warfare. So even when unconsciously we're just praising because we're trying to see the bright side of things, we're waging war against the camp of the enemy. And if you, um, if you check Second Chronicles 20, verse 22, that it, it ex- kind of explains that. So I just want us to uh, get the habit of praise, no matter how hard things are. And it kind of works... When, um, especially if you're really down and you know the, uh, the, the enemy is like oppressing you so much and you don't find the words to pray about, when you praise, it's kind of like opening the heavens and it's easier to praise than pray most times. So if you, if we kind of, um, get that habit of praise, I think it would help us a lot. And of course, it's a weapon of warfare. So it definitely would wage war against the camp of the enemy and God would show up for us. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you. And just to finish, follow up on that 100%, I agree. Um, You guys can notice how oppressive the room and the atmosphere felt while I was talking about the enemy and what he was doing. Like, I know you guys felt it because I felt it, and maybe you guys didn't, but I could feel it. 
It was oppressive when we were talking about the enemy. And that's kind of the whole point is that God's saying we aren't supposed to be so focused on the negative. We're not supposed to be focused on what's going wrong. We're not supposed to be focused on the way uh, the world and, and the issues that's going on. We're supposed to be focused on Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be focusing on praise and rejoice and love and, and the, the greater things in life. Scripture is very clear about that. I think it's in uh, Philippians 4. It talks about focusing on the greater things, and the greater things are Jesus. Rejoicing, love, um, uh, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us. We're supposed to look to those things and focus on those things, whatever is good, whatever is noble. And so when we focus on the negative, when we're so focused on the bad, it becomes our life. It becomes our world. And so that's why it's so important for us to put on the armor of God first thing in the morning is because instead of focusing on the fact that you're tired, instead of focusing the fact you have to go to class and, and you don't want to go to class, you got a test, you don't want to go to and take a test and, uh, you know, work, you don't want to go to work. Instead of focusing on those things, when we take that first part of our day and we dedicate it towards God, we are, we are focusing on the greater things. And it begins to envelop our world. It begins to surround us. And it, it guides our footsteps for even just the rest of the day. And so it is so important for us to start off with the armor of God. And that's why, why when we were focused on the enemy in here, it felt so oppressive. But as we finish out and li- lives are changed, people are giving their life to Christ. And we're focusing on the good things. We're focusing on praise. We're focusing on rejoicing. All of a sudden, the atmosphere lifts and we just start to feel a lot better. Not only just feel better, but we even start to feel better about ourselves. And that's just what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do here tonight and wanting to, 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 to point out. And so thank you guys for coming and thank you for um, your dedication to Chi Alpha. And thank you guys for, for the people that brought the people who gave their lives to Christ. Thank you for reaching out, making a difference in somebody's life. Um, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And we look forward to what God's going to keep doing throughout this week. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys, continue reading your scripture, continue praying, and continue seeking out the lost.